0: Marcus Stroman is heading to New York, but not to the Yankees. Marcus Stroman is a New York Met. And if you think you were stunned by that news on Sunday, try being Stroman inside the Blue Jays' clubhouse where things got... Just a little bit crazy.
1: Yeah, I was definitely shocked.
0: I'm John Chandler, and this is the Sports Final Podcast, baseball trade deadline edition, and it won't be the first because there's still a lot to happen between now and Wednesday's deadline at 4 p.m. But the Mets got things started on Sunday, and they blew up our rundown just after 6 o'clock for our sports cast when we got word that Marcus Stroman was on his way to the Mets in exchange for two very good pitching prospects. Mark Kerrig, national baseball writer for The Athletic. Were you surprised by this deal? (laughs) We all were, Uh, Yeah, the people uh, who cover it. It kind of came out of nowhere.
1: Sure, I mean, it's... Isn't that the fun of this time of year, though, right? I mean, right, like, you you try to predict these things, but um, I think the Mets, under Brody Van Wagenen, have proven they're going to do things a little bit different. This is a little bit different.
0: Really, I mean, you knew the Mets were gonna have to pay a price to get an all-star like Marcus Stroman. And when you heard Sunday morning that the Yankees were reluctant to give up Debbie Garcia, their top-pitching prospect, to get Stroman, well, you knew. You kind of had an idea as to what it would take to pry Stroman away from the Blue Jays. You just didn't think the Mets were going to be the team that did that because the Mets were sellers. Or are they buyers? Or are they a little bit of both with this deal? I don't think it's made so much for the 2019 season as it is for 2020. And if they can sign him to a longer term deal beyond that, obviously they'd like to keep him around. But a lot of things have to happen in order for this deal to be looked at as a good one. On its surface, you gave up a lot. Anthony Kay and Simeon Woods Richardson are two very, very highly regarded pitching prospects, number six and number seven in the Mets system, uh, according to ESPN and a couple of other uh, ranking systems that are out there. So They're top seven prospects, and they are pitchers that have very high ceilings. And so you knew you were going to have to give up something to get Stroman. And you're going to have to do a little bit more in order to make this deal work, because Stroman doesn't quite fit with his style of pitching and with what the Mets have. We'll get into that in a little bit, but I want to go back to what happened on Sunday when Stroman got the news. Because according to reports out of Toronto, there was a lot of commotion coming out of the Blue Jays' clubhouse. Toronto Suns' Rob Longley said that the pitcher's reaction to the trade from sources who told him inside that clubhouse was, quote, not pretty. Reporters on the scene, according to Yahoo Sports, said that they were told there's a reason the Blue Jays' clubhouse isn't open to the media. There's a reason it's closed. So um, a little bit of a tricky scene there, as Marcus Stroman was, quite frankly, not happy with the news of the trade. Why was he not happy? Was it because... He was getting traded to the Mets instead of the Yankees, which a couple weeks ago when he was pitching in the Bronx for what everybody thought was going to be an audition for his trade to the Yankees, and he was talking so openly about and seemingly accepting, yes, I want to pitch in the Bronx, I want to be in the postseason, and then that didn't happen. And you would understand the frustration at that not happening. Is that the reason? Well, we got the chance to talk to Marcus Stroman in a conference call on Monday afternoon, and Stroman tried to put that to bed. You knew he was going to be asked about it. He knew he was going to be asked about what happened in that clubhouse. And Stroman said that it wasn't an issue with the Mets that caused all that frustration and his outburst. He was, uh, he says in an exit meeting, is how he described it with higher-ups in the Toronto organization, he said it was an emotional discussion and the commotion came from his expression at the fact that he didn't like how things were handled. He says it had nothing to do with with the Mets.
1: Definitely, I definitely was expecting to get moved to, to some team at some point, obviously before the deadline, just because of all the rumors. Um, so yeah, it was the Mets, it was shocked. Um, and then obviously knowing that it was New York, um, it was kind of followed by a level of excitement as well because a ton of my family, ton of my friends are Mets fans. And obviously coming home is huge. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to, to be a New York Met. And I can't wait to, to get there and, and kind of be a part of it.
0: So... For the moment, you take him at his word. He said he was definitely shocked, though, and he expected to get moved. Clearly, reading between the lines, he didn't expect to get moved to the Mets. But he says once that all settled and he knew he was coming to New York, he said all of that frustration was followed by a level of excitement because he was coming home. Stroman, from Long Island, born in Medford, not necessarily growing up a Mets fan. He says he was a fan of New York, following both the Yankees and the Mets. But he's quick to get on his Twitter feed and point out that he was at Johan Santana's no-hitter. He tweeted a picture of himself as a toddler wearing a little Mets jacket. So you could see him trying to get out in front of this message, maybe understanding that he was going to hear about what happened and his reaction in the clubhouse. Be that as it may, Stroman on Monday sounded very excited to be headed to the Mets.
1: I know that New York is obsessed with winning, and that's how I am. So I'm excited to kind of have that pressure behind me each and every start. I kind of enjoy that. My passion, my energy, um, that obviously comes with me, and I'm excited to kind of have that New York energy and that New York passion along with it, so I can't wait.
0: Now, there's no doubt the Mets have made themselves better by getting Stroman. Forget for a second what they gave up with those two prospects because you're not going to know for a couple of years what they gave up. But in the immediate moment right now, Marcus Stroman is an all-star pitcher. He's a guy with a 2.96 ERA in 21 starts for a bad Toronto Blue Jays team this year. He's a guy that gets a lot of ground ball outs, second most actually in the majors at about a little over 53%. That doesn't necessarily mesh, though, with what the Mets offer on defense behind him. The Mets have one of the worst infield defenses in baseball. So you're asking a ground ball pitcher to come in and get contact, and you're relying on the gloves behind him to clean that up and to make sure they get the outs. And that's not necessarily a formula right now that has been successful for the Mets and their pitchers. Take Zach Wheeler, for example, Jacob DeGrom. I mean, you're getting a lot of high swing and miss ratios. You're getting a lot of strikeouts. And Marcus Stroman is not that kind of a pitcher. So it remains to be seen how exactly he fits with this Mets team. But there's no question, he's a good pitcher. He's a talented pitcher. And he's a pitcher under team control for another season, and he indicated that Brody Van Wagenen seemed to indicate that they want to talk long-term deal. Obviously, you don't bring him in uh, for just this half of the season, because no matter how, what the Mets think, they are not in contention this year, even though they're six games out of the wild card on Monday, and gaining ground, winning four straight. They're 10-5 and five since the All-Star break, but they're sellers this year, make no mistake. Maybe they're buying for 2020 by acquiring Stroman, but you got to shore up the defense behind him. You have to make another move, which Brings us to Jason Vargas. On Monday, once again, in the 5 o'clock hour, as we're heading towards showtime at 6 o'clock, we get word that the Mets have made a trade. Jason Vargas is out. They acquire a double-A catcher from the Phillies. They traded him within the division, which, I mean, I guess is kind of stunning. Because you're going to have to face Jason Vargas now, and you're helping out a division rival, but... At the end of the day, I don't know that that matters too much for the Mets because they were able to clear $2 million in salary by getting in return a double-A catcher who doesn't even rank. There are three catchers in the Phillies' top 30. This guy doesn't even rank among those three catchers. So he's not a top-30 prospect. He's not one of the best three catchers in the Phillies' system. This is a salary dump in and of itself on its face. They move Jason Vargas. They get $2 million that they can play with next year and try to make themselves better. So that... On the surface, looks like a smart move for the Mets. Noah Syndergaard is still out there. Zach Wheeler is still out there. And Edwin Diaz is still out there. Buster Olney reporting from ESPN that Edwin Diaz is a guy that could be on the move to the Red Sox. Which would seem to make a lot of sense. There's a lot that's going to happen between now and the trade deadline. And perhaps between now and the time this podcast airs and you are listening to it. But for the moment, in the reaction to Marcus Stroman getting traded to the Mets... We had a chance to be joined by the Athletics, Mark Carrig, who was a longtime Mets beat writer for Newsday on Sports Final. In case you missed that, I want to go back to that conversation because there was a lot of interesting stuff coming from Mark Carrig, a guy who was very plugged in to the Mets. And if you were writing the Marcus Stroman to New York story a few Sundays back, it certainly would have been to the Yankees. And tonight, the Mets swept in to stun almost everyone. Mark Corrigan, national baseball writer for The Athletic, also covered the Mets for Newsday for years. He knows the Mets inside and out. And were you surprised by this deal? We all were. <laughs> uh, yeah, for the people uh, who cover it. Absolutely. It kind of came out of nowhere.
1: Sure. I mean, it, it's, isn't that the fun of this time of year? Sure. Though, right? I mean, yes. right? Like you, you try to predict these things, but... Um, I think the Mets under Brody Van Wagenen have proven they're going to do things a little bit different. This is a little bit different. This uh, is different. Yeah, so it's hard to evaluate it because, as you you mentioned, yeah, there's going to be what looks like another domino to fall yes. here. So until that happens, it's sort of tough. but. You know they went and got better all right like they've given themselves some options it was costly Costly. okay these are the two two of their top pitching prospects so that's not nothing
0: simian woods richardson right so not nothing
1: absolutely so um but you know they do have some options now and and really it's about i think anyway looking at 2020 um if this is a move for this year i'm not sure i like it so much as (laughs) i just don't think this is the team to go investing in but if you look moving forward, it certainly does give them some intriguing options uh, for next season. So
0: the big question, and if you're following Noah Syndergaard's Twitter feed, you know there's a lot of qua He just tweeted, what is going on? I don't know what's uh, happening
1: out here. Same.
0: Yeah. I think we're all in that <laughs> boat. Okay, so what happens? Let's start with Syndergaard, and, and Zach Wheeler's the other side of this, but let's start with Syndergaard. You know, the Braves, the Padres are interested. Uh, the Mets sent Omar Minaya out scouting the Braves' farm system. What's realistic to expect with Noah Syndergaard? Well,
1: Look, I I talked to somebody in the industry the other day about the asking price for Noah Syndergaard, and right now it's a top 30 prospect in all of baseball. Steep. Okay, that's a lot and a couple of pieces on top of that. So it's what you would expect. Now, the thing is, he's also the best available pitcher out there right now. So the Mets are in a position here where they hold some cards I look at the San Diego Padres, to me, that's where the biggest match is. They've got an extraordinarily deep farm system. They seem to match up. There's a need for Noah Syndergaard, which, I mean, let's take a step back. It's kind of shocking he's even available to begin with. Right. But because he is, I think the Padres are positioned, at least conceptually, to make that move is it a sign he's fallen out of favor with his organization you know, it's not the first time he's been on the market right and and it makes you wonder doesn't it and i don't want to say that it does because like i don't know that for certain but it does make you raise your eyebrows a little bit and, and like you mentioned this is not the first time that we've heard his name thrown out there in trade talks so um it does make you ask that question i kind of look at it too from another perspective he again as we we're talking about earlier He's the best arm available out there. So that's a good position to be in if you're the Mets where you've got to look forward. You're trying to accumulate some talent that will be major league ready sooner rather than later. And you're also trying to kind of make something out of what's been a very difficult year. So if you look at it from that perspective, they should be out there seeing what they can get for a guy like Noah
0: Zach Wheeler is gonna be a free agent. He acknowledged Saturday, it might've been his last uh, start, Friday, last start Mm -hmm. as a New York Met at Citi Field. What happens
1: with Zach Wheeler? Well, I think he's he ends up getting moved at some point because my understanding is, you know, th- there's been some discussion about an extension. You know, my information is that that's not happening or it's very unlikely. So if that's the case, all right, if it sounds, again, this is just talking to some folks around the game, it doesn't sound like that's really what, what's gonna be the end game here for him, then I think a trade makes all the sense in the world. You have to move him,
0: you have to get yeah, something. You
1: gotta him. get something for him because, you know, again, like, look at this season. It's not going to make any difference for their win or loss you know or, or trying to make a playoff uh, run like I, I just think you've got to get something for him now is the time he's not sticking around so that's the reality of it. Syndergaard you have some
0: control with over the next couple of years Strowman as well right under control for another year which is an advantage I mean if you're going to bring Marcus Strowman in outstanding ground ball pitcher I mean he's second highest rate ground ball pitcher in, mm-hmm. in, in Major League Baseball but I don't think the Mets really have the infield defense yeah, to yeah. back that up so if you're gonna make a deal you have to beef up
1: that infield and defense. We just said something like, at the offset right like why is this is such a weird trade that's one of the top reasons it, it doesn't look like a fit on the surface and my, by the way the guy they're talking about dealing right Noah the guy who misses bats Right. he's exactly the type of pitcher you can get away with. I thought Stroman you is know. electric. Yeah well I'll tell you what Stroman Obviously, there's a hometown connection here. He knows the area. I I was around Marcus a couple years ago at a baseball writers dinner up here. He's not gonna have a problem dealing with the attention. Now, that said, I think you just never know how a guy is going to handle this. And, And you can make a bet that Marcus Stroman's probably wired to do, but you really don't know until they're here. So I think that's one of those things where whenever the Yankees or the Mets end up bringing a guy in that's got some experience, I also wonder all right, you throw him in this, this fishbowl, like there's really no telling how they're gonna react. So here's my big question. What is Brody's plan? What <laughs> is Brody Van Wagenen's plan?
0: He made this big deal in the offseason to bring in Robinson Cano, Edwin Diaz. That hasn't worked out and he paid a steep price there. Now he's pivoting and paying a steep price to bring in Marcus
1: Stroman. Yeah, so I guess this is where the reminder of all we're talking about right now is speculation in a lot of ways, right? Like yeah. we think that Noah Syndergaard is is gonna be on the move. We think that Zach Wheeler is going to be on the move. And that's why it's tough to evaluate this deal by itself. We we need to see this whole thing unfold. It looks to me like they're gonna keep an eye really out on next year, all right? I'd have a hard time believing that they're making these moves looking at this season, right? I I think we can all agree, looking at that team, you can try to reshuffle the deck, but there's too many deficiencies on the team. It's 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 just not the year. So I think it's really trying to be quick to get to next year. And also, this is a franchise that historically hasn't been throwing big money around on free agents. So if that's the case, you've got to find different ways to try to replenish the talent. Moving a guy like Noah Syndergaard is one of those ways that you can do that. So I mean, again, that's tough to swallow, I think, if you're a Met fan. You've come to like the guy. You've seen the ups and downs, but you also see the upside. But if, again, if you're working within these parameters, these are the kind of decisions you've got to make. You take Stroman off the market for the Yankees, mm-hmm. who are
0: at least looking at him. I yeah. don't know how serious it necessarily got because they weren't willing to give up, reportedly, Devin Garcia.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, and, and you're not gonna, like that's a guy that they're going to try to hang on to, right. obviously. So, you know, but uh, I think the Yankees are in such a weird position too, right? Like they, they've had their pitching have such struggles lately. It's been awful. 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 And, and, and you'd think that's going to put pressure on them to make a move. Now, that said it's also a pretty disciplined bunch over there so i can't imagine that they believe their pitching is actually that bad i think it's terrible timing and certainly the results say something but uh, you know we already knew they had to upgrade there sure so what i'm interested in though is what approach do they take here because starting pitching is obviously the need but what if you don't have that access to, to, to the pitching that you want right do you then bolster what is already a pretty deep bullpen because at the end of the day yeah. they've got a manager there in Aaron Boone that isn't afraid to just look at it from a different perspective maybe he just throws those arms out there and doesn't worry about starter reliever you're just worried about covering nine innings in a game and, and we've seen it in October right that's a lot of how baseball is played anyway right like I mean the starting pitcher going deep into that October game Yeah, that's nice to have, but that's also not a deal breaker in today's baseball, right? You just have to cover the innings somehow. Cash talked about a plan B. Do you see them making a trade before the deadline for a starting pitcher? I think they do. I I, I do because, I don't know, I have a hard time seeing them not addressing what is a glaring need. Now, that said... You know, the inventory out there, it's tough to, to really you know, know what to make of it, right? Robbie Ray,
0: Trevor Bauer had a rough day today, right. chucking a ball over center field. And, that's,
1: and, and look, and, and that actually was talked about a lot on social media, right? How does that impact somebody's value? And I would say not terribly so, but I think it does play a factor. When a guy loses his composure like that in that spot, you as a, someone on a team that's competing have to wonder, Especially all right. Lights are on, right. New York, playoff pressure, is he going to freak out like that in a playoff game? You know, I don't know if that's necessarily fair, but you ask the question, don't you? So, it's I, you know. Be interesting to watch. Absolutely. Trade deadline, Wednesday at 4. <laughs> a lot can happen between now and then.
0: Mark Corrig, thank you so much for coming by from The Athletic. Appreciate you talking some baseball with us here thank on you. a Sunday night. Just to pick up on that note about Brian Cashman, talking to the media on Friday that I alluded to in that interview with Mark Corrig. Uh, Cash was talking to reporters in Boston, and he's been upfront about, yes, we are looking for a starting pitcher. But he made it very clear they don't want to overpay for said starting pitcher. So, at this point, unless it's Noah Sindergaard, it looks like Debbie Garcia, that top pitching prospect, is off the table. They didn't want to move him to get Marcus Stroman, and that probably ended up costing him getting Marcus Stroman. Uh, In the end, Clint Frazier is probably going to get moved if the Yankees want a top-line starter. Miguel Andujar could get moved if the Yankees want a top-line starter. Or they could fall back to plan B, get Luis Severino healthy, and go into the playoffs maybe shoring up their bullpen a little bit and relying on that pen. I don't know that that is the wisest scenario for the Yankees because their starting pitching was historically bad through that Boston series at Fenway Park. Just awful, epically bad starting pitching from the Yankees. And they were the first to admit it. Aaron Boone saying they got punched in the mouth at Fenway Park. So they need to add a starting pitcher. We'll see what the Yankees end up doing. And it's going to be fascinating to see what the Mets still do before the end of the trade deadline. Buckle up. It's going to be quite a ride to that 4 p.m. deadline on Wednesday. Whatever happens between now and then, we'll hop back on this podcast and update you and discuss and break it all down. Until then, I'm John Chandler and this is the Sports Final Podcast.